Hello, this is People and Flows podcast. Welcome back for episode two of the conversation with Neville Pritchard and Jack Phillips. Um, but it is this kind of taking it to one more level and saying, well, okay, now that now that we know that it works, what's the next thing to do? Uh, and how do you how do you work with teams uh, who are doing a good job uh, and understand where they're making a difference? And how do they, how do you help them to take that more widely across the, their organisations? Well, you've got obviously getting executives involved and the supporters and the funders, uh, the people giving them the money. And I know from working with them for many years, they want to see this kind of data. They want to see the connection. So I think we need those executives to, to, to pull them up as role models yeah. uh, to make sure that others are doing this around the organization. Are, are if, when we're in some um, external role, we can recognize them and their success. We give awards um, in our organization, our LY Institute awards that we do annually. We recognize people who, who are showing the impact in ROI. Um, and there's some amazing work that's done there. And we had a record number of awards uh, this year. I should say a record number of entries. Some of those were so good that we couldn't select the top one. Um, so we give two awards at the top. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's, we're trying to recognize externally, this, you know, this is what makes a difference in organizations. Uh, so I think it takes all of us who support and applaud and fund and reinforce learning is to say, it's great what you've done, but now let's, this is really where we got to go with this. This yeah. is a good step, but let's, if we don't show the contribution to the organization, we could be high risk for downsizing or not getting our budget or not being supported properly. Yeah. And no one wants that. Yeah. Um, I have to fight this thing of, well, you know, as long as we have new employees, we have to train them. So we always have training. I said, yes, but you, you could be considered a necessary evil or business driver. Which would you rather be? Yeah. Um, if you say we have to have the training, a lot of executives, I should say a lot of frontline managers are going to say this is a necessary evil here because the evil is you take my people away from work. And it's necessary because I think I have to. And so we don't want to, we want to show, look at the value of having your people involved in this. Look at the height in, impacted these impact, uh, driv has driven these impact measures. And that's your KPI that you're looking at as a frontline manager. So, you know, we've got to get them to say, okay, this is what I want. I want them to say, hey, this is a business contributor, yeah. not the necessary evil. So we've got to shift that thinking. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and the, the, the greater the value of it, um, the more likely we are to see those same people who saw it as a necessary evil taking their responsibilities in, in turning it into performance. Yes. Uh, uh, you know, so it's a, sort of, <laughs> it's, a, it's a sort of chicken and egg situation, but I'm pretty sure that if we start with the learning mindset or the mindset of the people within the learning team, um, then the chicken and egg can come in the right order, whatever order that is. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> we only have to solve that one right now. Yeah. We, <laughs> um, we, we still got a lot of work to do here. Yeah, yeah we have. And, and listen, it's, it's, good, it's good to be part of it. And I'm conscious that, uh, Jack, you, you 
made a number of uh, fabulous books recently, and I think it's in taking in taking the model and taking the approach and developing, as you say, the design thinking now uh, out into different industries and, and putting some focus to it. So. Um, we talked, uh, I remember a long time ago, I picked up the consultant scorecard and I realized that you were kind of moving in that direction. Uh, and there'll be a lot of consultants listening to this. So that's, that's still a very, very strong book if you're work, going to work in this world. Um, but now you've kind of done, I know I'm conscious of one for healthcare and, and the green scorecard that we talked about pre-call. Um, do you want to tell me a little bit about the, the rationale for focusing uh, specifically in industries and picking up on the yeah. uh, the nuances. Yes, and so obviously we started this in the in the learning space. Um, uh, started working with this. We published the first book on training evaluation in the USA. Uh, that was in 1983. Um, Kirkpatrick is, uh, had his first book in training evaluation 11 years later, 1994. So we we. That was our area of working to begin with. But um, as I evolved in business, I was head of learning there for a couple of companies, and then I moved into head of, as head of HR. And I just took the skill sets right along with me uh, and spread it throughout the HR area. And so we began writing books on using this in HR. One book was called Accountability and Human Resource Management. That was in 1996. That one... Uh, some awards on that book. And then, uh, so I clearly could see this would work across HR as well as learning. And then we began to get uh, technology people to work with us and quality teams and says, hey, can you use this here? And yes. So if you think about the concept of uh, measuring reaction and learning, application, impact, and ROI, that's the five levels of outcome that we have. It works extremely well for technology, for example. As you uh, have people react to technology. They see it as important to them. It's user-friendly. It's something they will use. And then they learn to use it properly. And then they use it properly for the application. And then there's an impact. And then there's the ROI. It comes from converting that impact to money and converting, comparing it to the cost. So we moved into those areas and wrote books around those. Um, and then into marketing. Uh, uh, in the marketing area, we have a marketing ROI book coming out from McGraw Hill next year. Uh, we, first, we resisted writing that book, but yeah, we kept working with marketing teams. I was just with a group in Egypt recently, and we've done internal work with marketing teams, and it works quite well, whether, whatever you're doing. And so we finally said there's not a good book on this um, in the marketing space, although there's a couple of them out there with ROI on the title. It just doesn't give you – the information you need. Yeah. So we're finally working that book. But then we moved into some areas that are important. This green scorecard, I think, is one of our best contributions. And it came from a, a, a British publisher. Um, I my mind. <laughs> um, but they come to, came, came to us and said, um, we know your work. Can you apply it to sustainability projects in green? And we said, well, yes. And in fact, we have some in our people who come to our certification now. And so we wrote that book. Um, Nicholas, Nicholas Breeley is the name of the publisher. That's been acquired, I think, now by someone else. So that, in that book, we, here was the reason for doing that book. Um, 
the publisher was telling us about some data that we kind of knew about, but we looked at a little more detail. It says, if you look at all the things that an organization can do uh, to support the environment and to, to be green and to be sustainable, um, if you look at all of those things, 80% of those things are really are a good business decision. In other words, it drives a profitable ROI, a positive ROI, but only if they do it properly. But the many of those projects break down. They just don't, people don't want to do them. That's reaction. They don't know what they have to do very clearly. That's learning. They don't follow through and do things as they should. That's application. You can see it follows right on yeah. our process. They said the other 20% is something they have to do by government regulation anyway. So what we want to do is let's just let this book work on the 80% of the things it could do, but make it right. And so we wrote that book around the green area. And I was just recently in Saudi Arabia speaking to the Ministry of um, Housing and Urban Development or something like that. And they, they want to bring in this concept into their developing smart cities there. Um, so it's, it's so relevant and so important, but it applies so well. One of our problems here is, is not having enough time to work that field in that area. Yeah. But if you just keep going, we've, we've uh, not only healthcare, but we've, we've looked in governments. So we got a book that's now for NGOs and governments and nonprofits. Uh, we've worked with faith-based organizations, charitable groups, um, associations. Um, so, and we, we support these with all kinds of tools and processes. It's amazing. I mean, I must say, since the, uh, if you like, the flip of the, uh, of the angle of lens in which you look at the whole concept of measurement and starting with why and having a focus all the way through the process, it, it clearly has application all over the place. Yes. But the most important thing for me, and particularly when you're looking at the green, you're looking at the, uh, the healthcare one, which I mentioned, and you're looking at the um, marketing or wherever, it is within the process, you are going to flag up things that you can do differently. And oh, wow. you've got actions that are coming out of it. They're going to actually, you know, um, gear up and leverage uh, the impact to a much higher level again. Yes. And it's, it's, it's that that makes the measurement important because I get a lot of people say to me, well, we're not that worried about the measurement. Well, you should be yes. <laughs> because it's the only way you're going to find out what you need to do differently. Yes, you're exactly right. You, you just pointed to something that we say is the number one reason why you should do this and it's process improvement, that you always find things not working well. I don't, if, even if it's successful by your definition, yeah. There's always some things you can improve. And if it doesn't work and it's negative, you now know how to make it positive if you if, if it can and if you yeah. want it to. So if you think about why do this, um, we, we've always said process improvement is the number one reason, but they don't understand that so clearly. Uh, so what drives them to this? There's been two things. I'd say um, since the recession in 2008, nine, eight, nine, um, it's executive requests for something. It's show us something, show us more, show that this thing is working, adding value. So executives have driven it. Now what's driving it is that they have to do it to protect their budget. They're getting budget reductions, budget cuts, questions about the budgets, can't get it approved. Funding is not where it needs to be. 
you know, we have people cutting learning, uh, or executives cutting learning budgets in a company that has record profits. Mm. So how do you rationalize that? And they asked me that, and I said, it's clear to me because you're not showing them the value of what you do. And so much anxiety about the economy. Globally, we don't know where this economy is going, and all the projections that it's going down some next year. Uh, so what do you do when you got that? You're going to tighten your ship. You're going to make sure that you've got your unnecessary expenses under control or even expenses that you're not sure about. You know, you don't see them as mission critical. And we get, we often get caught up into that categorization. We, yeah. we label one of those. Yeah, no, you're absolutely, absolutely right. And, and, and one of the things that um, I'm conscious of always is that I speak to heads of learning and development or heads of HR, um, different parts of the business, Every, every senior leader or manager in any business has a commercial responsibility. They have to know how well their own team are doing. They need to know the pounds, shillings, and pence. They need to know the numbers. Yes. But they don't need to share all those numbers with everybody else. One of the weaknesses of, 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 uh, of the people side of the business was always that it, it tended to share everything without there being a story and without there being any real commercial measure. So return on investment was a big addition and improvement on that. Um, yet they then stopped doing the other stuff, which meant they didn't know which levers to pull in their own department. Yes. <laughs> it's like you do have to have the whole picture, yes. Um, yes. but different things go to different people in the organization in terms of information that makes a difference. Yes. Uh, and so in, in the world that, um, that you're driving now, Jack, the experience you're having, how, what, what is the sort of thing that's, uh, that's needed at the executive level in terms of demonstrating value as opposed to uh, at the operational level? Yes. All right, let's look at both sides of that. I think you're right on, on track here. Um, uh, when you say, you know, when you have start doing this and you have some data, don't necessarily share it with everyone. And we'd say, look, get into this and you're going to find some things not working. And you might not announce to the whole organization that you're evaluating this program, this program, this program, until you see how things are working. Get some things sorted out. In other words, get into this early. Drive your own bus here in terms of evaluation. Yeah. Yeah. Don't wait for that uh, request. See, if you wait for someone to show you the impact and ROI of a program when you didn't expect that, and so you didn't design for it, and it's probably not there, you're at a huge risk. You've got three things that happen to you. One is you've got a short timeline to respond to that executive, and that's not enough time to get the data that you need and the changes you need. And second, uh, you're you now defensive. You want to be on the offense. Uh, you're defending a program, uh, and that executive is questioning the value. Yeah. So you're defending it, and second, you're you're in a defensive posture. You, I mean, I mean, I'm I'm sorry. The third, you want to make sure the ROI and impact is on your agenda, not the executive's agenda. The worst place to have that is there with the executive. So don't wait for that. So from the so what we're saying from the, C the CLO perspective, the heads of learning, don't wait for that request. Get in there and do some things. 
build build your expertise, correct some things, get some results. In fact, feed them the results that they need so they never ask that yeah. question. Yeah. Now, yeah. let's go to the executives. We work with executives, and we often have executives say, look, I'm concerned with my learning function. It's huge. It's big budget. It's just not at driving value. What can I do to make it happen? Uh, and I said, don't give them an or else. You know, show us something or else. That that destroys it because it's they need some some you, you've got to encourage support and say we've got to ultimately change the reporting system we have you got to show us the connection to what you're doing you've got to show some value beyond what we've got to do we're here to support you and we'll help you whatever you need we'll get you there but start going down that path i think if you'll do that um that gets it going yeah and, and we've seen some great examples i, I saw the central the governor of the central bank in the Philippines who wanted to change uh, the measurement systems and he started with the HR area and that got the learning and the HR together and I met with him and he says what I want them to do is show how they connect to the central bank you don't I don't see that connection very clearly I'm patient I'm a friend of theirs I'm a supporter of theirs they couldn't have a better executive supporting what they do, but I've got to see value because the next governor might not be as supportive as I am. And so that was good message for them that gave them time to get some things in place. And so when they changed governors, they had good data and they didn't have a devastating reduction budget because they were spending a lot of money in this area. Yeah. So having an executive who has patience and, and don't don't give an R else. I mean, they, they, they like to say, okay, you spent all of this money on this particular program. Huge. We know that. We authorize it. Now show us the value. I said, that sounds like an innocent request, but it's devastating to them if they didn't go down that path to begin with. Uh, uh, absolutely. And, and yeah. what is, in, 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 in our book, uh, which is called Go Beyond, we refer to this as going beyond the norm and going beyond it what everybody else does and say, look, let's make sure you're doing what your company needs because what everyone else is doing is not necessarily what your company needs. And you won't know that if you don't build data collection through the process from the beginning. Right. Um, and I, I don't know if you hear this one uh, often, but I get people saying, well, you know, we can't afford to set up data collection. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say you can't afford not to. You can't afford not to, exactly. Uh, and equally, it actually doesn't cost anything if you build it into the process from the beginning to, to the end, right? Exactly. Uh, it, it, yeah. It, it, i got to just tell you this story. If it reinforces what you just said. So last month, I was with a hospital system in Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia is privatizing their health care. And so I'm working not just the learning team. In fact, it's 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 a it's a new medical procedures, it's medical technology, it's everything in the system. So this ROI methodology is being used across. Now I we've had um, uh, sixty people now to go through our certification with them, uh, fifteen at a time. So we had fifteen people in the room. A person who was with us during the whole week was the CEO of this particular hospital system. Now, he's there as a, he says, I'm, 
the first three groups that went through, they're telling me, yeah, I'm not sure this is going to work. This is too hard. You know, we're not, um, we're not ready for this and we don't have, you know, lots of good reasons. He said, I want to see for myself. At the end of the one week session, he says, um, you guys in the room here, this is his speech at the end. He says, unfortunately, you can't tell me this doesn't work because I see clearly it does. And you can't tell me this is too hard because it's pretty simple and straightforward. And you can't tell me you don't have time to do it because you have no other choice. And says, so it's bad news that I'm here. But he said, look, this is going to take so much time if you build it in. He said, I can see clearly we didn't build a lot of this stuff into the system. So going forward, we got to build some things in so the data is in front of us so we don't have to worry about finding the data here and there. And it was a good message for them. Yeah. Uh, and it's good. It's rare to get a CEO to go through a five-day ROI program. I mean, yeah. and, and this is a huge system there in Saudi Arabia. Uh, but he's just a proponent. He says, we got to change. We have no choice. Yeah. And 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 he's, it was bad news for the rest of the team because <laughs> he just cut off all the reasons why they can't do it. Yeah, but in a year's time, it'll be good news because they're going to enjoy it so much. <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll appreciate it. They actually thank them for being there, that particular yeah. says, you're going to yeah. make us do it, and we, we need to do it. <laughs> so, so, Jack, thank you. Uh, one last question, uh, if I may. Uh, we're, we're just going to a new year, which remarkably is 2020, um, which <laughs> seems it seems like we shouldn't be here, but we kind of uh, moving into it. What, what would be your one wish for people in, 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 the, in the world of measurement of impact uh, and L&D and HR and every, every other application now? Yeah, I'd say, um, look at, as you pointed out, look at this as a basic responsibility. Yeah, you're, you're, you're spending some resources provided by someone. The, the person who's given you this money by budget or by funding or whatever, the, they really need to know if it's working. And the working for them is really the impact it's having. So we've really got to think about how should we do this for the sake of the people who have actually allocated and entrusted these kinds of revenues or these kinds of funds for us. So it's really a basic responsibility. If we just get that thinking, Let's don't do it because some executives ask us for it or that it it would make all of us happy and cheerful if we did. Do it because it's really a basic accountability, a basic responsibility that goes along with in giving us this money. And a request for impact, a request for ROI is not a mean issue here. That uh, We make it every day in our decisions. You know, when we buy something, we say, is it worth it to us? We're just trying to give the person who's given us the money, is it worth it for them to do it? So trying to reduce that that anxiety and resistance that's out there, just relax and start down this process. Be proactive with it. I've probably put more than one point in that comment, but that's that is get into this when you don't have to, I guess would be my recommendation. That's the big that's the big recommendation I wish. Jack, um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much indeed. And I look forward to seeing you again soon. I hope so. so no, good to see you again. Yeah, and you.